This podcast is sponsored by What They Believe series, a docu-series exploring faith through conversations. If your congregation would like to share your history and spirituality, go to whatthebelieveseries.com to find out how you can participate. Visit now to find new episodes and learn about supporting this project. The following episode of WKNC's Eye on the Triangle was pre-recorded in February of 2020. The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle, and I'm currently speaking with Naima Muhammad, the organizing co-director for the North Carolina Environmental Justice Network. Hello, Ms. Muhammad. Hello, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Welcome to Eye on the Triangle. Well, thank you. Thanks. Now, what does it mean to be the lead organizer for the NCEJN? We have three organizers in different parts of the state, in different counties. And it is my job to oversee the work of those organizers to help set direction and to help them build capacity in their communities. And what does it mean to build capacity in their communities? To work with them on ways to get more people engaged in the activities that they do in holding community meetings, being able to get people involved in those meetings, attending the meetings and also I always say to them, uh, giving other people a responsibility for that meeting so that they can feel ownership and buy into making the meeting take place and assist with getting others to attend the meetings and just helping them to build networks right within their communities where if they don't have an existing organization, I work with them on ways to form an organization in their community, what the structure should look like, and how to conduct the meetings, how to outreach for the meetings, and how to set agendas and engage others. Now, today we are discussing the massive hog farms and, of course, the waste lagoons. How do these farms impact people on the ground? What's happening is with the industrial animal operations in North Carolina, which is called concentrated animal feed operations or CAFO, the impact is it prevents people from enjoying their quality of life. In other words, when I move someplace, I expect the baby to enjoy my property. I expect the baby to walk outside anytime I want to, sit on my porch if I choose to do that, hold family gatherings outside if I choose to do that. If my child is having a birthday party, I should be able to have it outside if I choose to do that. If I want to hang my clothes on my clothesline, I should be able to do that. If I have a well, I should feel safe 
using the water from my well. I should be able to breathe clean air. I shouldn't have to smell animals every time I step outside or when I'm breathing. And I certainly shouldn't have animal waste getting onto my home, my cars, or my body if I'm outside. So what you're saying is that a homeowner pretty much should control the entirety of the space in which they live. Yes, they should be able to. And and a lot of these operations are in rural parts of the state. And I think anybody with common sense knows people live in rural America because they love the outdoors. And so when that's taken away, it loses the value of why you even chose to live in that part of the world. And what we've seen over the years is people living in these communities, they talk about not being able to enjoy that property, not being able to sit outside, not being able to work in their gardens and plant their flowers and just enjoy doing their yard work. You see people cutting grass with masks on because, as they state, when the odor comes, you don't want to be outside. So when they get up in the morning, they check to see if it's stinking outside. If it's not stinking, they rush out to do what they have to do because they want to get done and back in the house before the odor comes. Because, again, as they say, when the odor comes, you don't want to be out there because it makes you gag, your eyes burn, your nose run, you get headaches, you just get miserable. And it's just, you know, they feel like prisoners in their own homes. I've heard that so many times, more times than I can count, that I feel like a prisoner in my own home. I just, it's like little people like us don't matter. They just do what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. Their names are on the deeds. They own the property. This is their space. And yet the real person who seems to own the air around them, the water beneath them, even their time is these hog farms. Yeah. And if you put in, like they say, if they hang their clothes out on their clothesline and the odor comes, it gets into the clothing and they have to redo the laundry. Yeah. Or you got to wear that to school pretty much. You got to have that smell following you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, and so many children have been teased about that, saying they smell like a pig, you know, and so it hurts their feelings, of course. And many people talk about it's embarrassing. You know, they say it's embarrassing. I have company to come to my home, and then the oldest there, and they sniffing and wondering what is that, and then they looking at me like, how can you stand it? And, you know, and, and they will say this outright to people. How can you stand this odor? And they talk about how embarrassing it makes them feel. And, you know, they can't do anything about it because they can't move. They can't afford to move. Even if they want to move, they can't afford to move. And my response to that is, why should you have to? You know, these industries ought to be made to do, you know, to do things that's not going to be so prohibiting for the neighbors around them. Since you came into my community, I didn't come into yours. That's important to remember. These facilities didn't exist originally when the community was built, correct? Right, right. The communities were already there when this industry came in. So these people, when they bought their property, it wasn't like they knew what they were getting into. No, they didn't. 
because, again, this industry was not in existence. Number one, you were talking about property that's in their families for, like, hundreds of years. So you're talking about generational property, and property people inherited this property, and they have a right to live on the land. Like they say, my family, they shed their blood to get this property. Some people was able, after slavery, for the first time, black people was able to buy land. So a lot of this land was purchased immediately after slavery. And that's why it's it's been in this family so long. And so people have inherited this property, and they have, generations have lived there before them. And this was not the, the norm for these communities. So, again, they were there first. But you hear the energy say they had like people moved in on them. You knew what you was getting into when you got here, but that's not the truth. And when they first started coming in, they didn't even come visibly, and people got no notification that this was about to happen to them. They just smelling the odors and didn't see where the odors was coming from because this industry was setting up behind trees, almost like in the wooded areas, so you couldn't see them. So people didn't know what the odors were, but they knew something had changed and it was making them sick. You know, they started having health problems, and there's a lot of upper respiratory problems high rates of asthma, a lot of elevated blood pressures, a lot of stress and anger amongst people living in these communities. So this isn't just an impact to human dignity. This is an impact to people being able to freely live their lives without kind of stink. Health is being impacted here too. Health is definitely being impacted. And North Carolina Environmental Justice Network, along with the School of Public Health at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, a researcher there by the name of Dr. Steve Wing for years studied the health impacts of this industry on people living nearby, and they were able to document the problems that people were faced with, which was the elevated blood pressure, the upper respiratory problems, stress, anger, headaches, nose running, eyes burning, Children with high rates of asthma, on more asthma medication, missing more time out of school, and you know, and these things, and looking at the quality of life, you know, we looked at that, and we did capture those stories through interviews with people, asking them to talk about their life before the industry and what life has been like with them since the industry came in. And people were very clear on what those changes are and what their lives was like prior to and what the changes are, how they now no longer, like I said, they no longer can just sit outside anytime they want to. They have to stay in the house and keep the doors and windows closed because you're trying to prevent the odor from getting inside. And so they don't open their doors and windows. They've been forced to buy air conditions versus just opening a window or opening the doors. They've been forced to buy bottled water in order to have clean drinking water. Some people even had to buy enough to cook and wash dishes and stuff with. One lady got a letter 
she saw an article in the newspaper saying you could get your water tested for free. So she called to check on it, and they came out and took water from her well and took water from the inside of her home. And a few days later, she got a letter telling her not to drink her water, not to uh, cook with it, not to wash her dishes with it. And if you have any dogs, don't let them drink the water. And then she talked about she had a dog and some puppies at the time, and the puppies were two months old, and the mother used to drink the water from the ditch along the side of her house. They drank the water, and they all died. And the puppies were like two months old. And she said one day she found one dead, then they said she found another, then they just all died. And then the mother, the mother was pregnant, and all the babies were born dead, stillborn. So this seems like a, a lot of pretty serious evidence here. People's, people's lives have been sabotaged, people's health have been sabotaged, students' performance in schools are sabotaged, and people are getting sick down to their pets dying from this. Who's taking responsibility here? That's the problem. Nobody. Nobody. As a matter of fact, what, what's been said, and we've sat in our state capitol and heard legislators say to people that, say to the other legislators and to, you know, the public that these people are lying, you know, and as a matter of fact, they say at best they just outright liars. These are state representatives that's supposed to be representing the people, and they protect in corporations. And and they you know they calling the people liars for telling the truth about what's happening to them. And they say they're just lying. And then there was also a class action lawsuit called Hog Nuisance Lawsuit were 500 citizens in eastern North Carolina, which is where the bulk of these animals are. North Carolina has about 9 million people, and we have almost 10 million pigs. So we have more pigs than people in the state. But the bulk of those 10 million pigs are in eastern North Carolina. Eastern North Carolina is predominantly African-American, Latinx, and Native American communities. And it's the poorest part of the state. And we feel like this was intentional on the part of this industry to locate themselves here. It's where people had the least amount of economic clout and the least amount of political clout to fight them off because our representatives are supposed to represent us are siding with industries. And then they're passing bills to allow these industries to do what they're doing. Uh, when the people try to fight the change conditions, legislators are passing laws on the side of industry to prevent people from being able to recoup any kind of damages. So they're not even trying to keep people from living in these areas. They're not trying to evict anybody. They're, they're completely fine with everybody having to suffer through all this. It's the speaking that's a problem. You're all right. You can live all you want as long as you don't bother with this industry. And the industry is free to expand wherever it feels that it can. Yeah, yeah. Well, supposedly there was a moratorium put in place in 1997, the proliferation of the port industry into North Carolina. And a few years later, we found out that when they put this moratorium in place, 
one of our state representatives was a former hog grower, and he notified the pork industry that they were getting ready to put this moratorium in place and advised them to put to get they go ahead and get permits, apply for permits, and they would grandfather the permits in. That way the industry was able to keep going. And But we didn't find out till later that they had grandfathered in all of these permits. We kept trying to figure out why this industry wasn't slowing down. And then we found out because they grandfathered in all these permits. So when the citizens filed the class action lawsuit, of course the industry went to our legislators and because they were getting their butts kicked in court. They went to the legislators. They wrote a bill, and they got a legislator to sponsor the bill, trying to prevent citizens from being able to file these kinds of lawsuits. And so when they presented the bill, they wanted to retroact the bill. only reason they wanted to retroact the statement was because they were trying to shut down the Cameron nuisance lawsuits that were already going through federal court. They were having trials, and in the first four trials, the jury ruled in favor of the complainant and ordered Smithfield to pay all this money. As a result, they wrote this bill that they wanted them to prevent people from being able to sue them for anything beyond property value, and but not for punitive damage. And, and so we were able to fight that, and some of the legislators did listen and they refused to sign that bill with the retroactive statement in there. So while we couldn't prevent the bill from being passed, we were able to prevent that retroactive statement from being there. And so that was in 2016. In 2016, just for reference, the bill they tried to pass was called House Bill 467. And then in 2017, because they didn't get what they wanted in 2016, they came back in 2017 with Senate Bill 711 saying that people could not sue the industry for anything, any reason, for property damage or punitive damage. And both of those bills passed. And so now they are effectively law. So, yes, so they effectively law. So what that means for people in North Carolina is if you live in an agriculture or forestry area or if they move in on you and you get injured because of it in the way that people have been injured with this industrial agriculture, then you can't sue anybody. You can't try to recoup for damages done. So these industries effectively have anybody who would want to complain about the issues that were brought on them, not chosen by them, they have these people completely silenced. They have these people unable to complain, or they can complain, but the complaints can't ever be put into court. Right, right. In other words, there'll never be any more lawsuits like we have currently going on called the hog nuisance lawsuit. Yes. So despite the victory there, that is, assuming the bill does not change or is not repealed, that is the final victory that is going to be like that. Exactly. So what can people do now? What's the next step? Your organization can't possibly have stopped fighting, correct? Right. We're not going to stop fighting. As a matter of fact, 
we will fight for refill on those bills as well because, number one, it's violating people's constitutional rights. It's just outright violation of people's constitutional rights. I should be able to sue you if you come along and harm me. It's like saying I'm driving my car, I'm following all the road rules, you run into me, you cause me harm, I can't do nothing about it. Yeah, if you can't beat the laws, then change them. Right, 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 yeah. And so it's been a long, hard battle here in North Carolina. It's been a long, hard battle. And it's surely not fair that people should have to live like this. And that's, and that's just one dirty industry. It's quite a few more in this state, and they keep popping up every day. It's almost like North Carolina have been targeted. And it's always the same. The communities that get all this dirty industry all look the same. Yeah, so we call it environmental racism. We feel like it's intentional. It's no mistake that every time a dirty industry get a permit in the state, the community they go to look the same. And not only look the same, a lot of them are going to the same communities. So you got pigs over here on this side of the street. You got chickens and turkeys on the other side of the street. You got a chicken litter burning plant down the street across the road. Or you got a landfill right down the road from you. You got coal ash ponds everywhere. You got sewage sludge being sprayed on the land near where people live. It's just one thing after another. And a family that certainly doesn't have enough political clout to take them to court or to get attention for what's happening to their community, they can't just up sticks and move. That's not an option for them. That's right. They can't afford to. So it's just their life. That's it. That's right. That's right. And it's really sad. Like that. In all the years that I've been doing this work and I go to these communities, you don't see the children outside playing. And I remember growing up and going to visit with my grandparents and my aunts and uncle that lived in what we call the country. We call it living in the country because you're away from everything, how much fun we had just being outdoors all day well into the night and walking up and down the road, visiting the neighbors and just having fun outside. But these children are not doing that. They get off school buses running home versus walking because it smells so bad, and they're trying to hurry up and get in the house. I remember when we rode the school bus, you know, the best part of the ride of the school day was getting riding the buses with your friends, off the buses, walking home, and just talking and lollygagging and having fun with each other. Yeah, pretty hard to take your time and enjoy yourself when the air is actively burning your eyes. What can people do about this? Well, they can continue to try to fight for change which we've been doing for so long till a lot of people are burning out and feeling like it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference, or feeling like they don't matter, you know. So there are so we continue to encourage people to raise their voices, to make the concerns known, to unite with one another and just work together to fight for change. Try to get policy change tell your story, make it known. In 1998, 
there was what was called the Smithfield Agreement. Smithfield, number one, was the owner of all the pigs in North Carolina till they sold some of their shares to the WH Group out of China. But prior to that, it was all Smithfield. In 1998, there was this agreement called the Smithfield Agreement. Under the Smithfield Agreement, a researcher at North Carolina State was paid $17.2 million to identify new technology to handle the waste from these animals. Because in the current system that they have, that they've been using since they started, is what they call a lagoon and spray fill system. And I always tell people, I'm not talking about that blue lagoon that Brooke Shields was hanging out in. I'm talking about a lagoon that's full of nothing but feces and urine from those pigs. And that once the lagoons are filling up, they irrigate that waste out on the crops around the community. They call it fertilizer, but it's making people sick because they have a lot of gases in it, a lot of chemicals. There's hydrogen sulfide that come off of that waste and that come off of those lagoons. There's open-air lagoons just sitting out in the, you know, right almost in people's backyards. And it's nothing but where they dug a hole in the ground. They use a piping system that runs from the hog houses underground out to that lagoon so whatever the animals do go through these slacks in the floor and into those pipes and get piped out into those open air lagoons and again when it's filling up they spray it out using industrialized irrigators and that's what is making people sick that's just a cheap way of handling this waste it's got to be better ways and that's what we were fighting for so Smithfield, under this agreement they made with the state of North Carolina to identify and find some new technology, they got this researcher from North Carolina State who identified five new technologies. He made the public announcement, and Smithfield came out and told the state of North Carolina that it was not economically feasible for them to get into that technology on the ground. And they got away with that because the state did not make them put any of that technology in existence. And the technology still exists, but they haven't made them put it on the ground to relieve community people from all the harm that they've been suffering. So the solution is sitting on a table, drafted up, ready to go, ready to be implemented out in the field. The issue is, is that the human cost is not enough to convince people to spend the monetary cost. Exactly. And the state of North Carolina, our legislators or the regulatory agency, have not made them do this. See, I think it's on the state, it's on our state government at this point. They could fix this by making this industry do the right thing. They haven't done that. And the industry ain't willing to do it without being made to do it. As a matter of fact, they've just been having their way with our state government, legislative, and the regulatory agents. I can see why burnout is starting to creep into people who have been fighting this for so long. Yes, yes, yeah. Just keep on to wear you down. It's a few people versus these giants of both legislation and also economics. Right, right, yeah, yeah. 
it's been a long struggle, you know, but I don't really get discouraged or give up. I just want people to not give up. I'm just saying don't give up and don't give in. We got to keep fighting. Our lives depend on it. But the life of your children and grandchildren depend on this. Because what these corporations want is for people to get tired, to get bogged down in the legal system or to get frustrated that nothing's happening. That's right. And stop fighting them, stop bothering them, as they will put it. Do you know the names of any of the industries that are currently performing all these hog procedures? Smithfield and the WH Group, which is out of China. We've been discussing one organization this whole time. Yeah, as I stated a few minutes ago, it all these things used to belong solely to Smithfield. And then about maybe three or four years ago, Smithfield sold out some of their business to the WH group out of China who now own some of these pigs in North Carolina, but they're producing this meat to ship back to China. It's not even staying in the U.S. It's not feeding the people. All the hungry people we have in, in the U.S. are not being fed. But, you know, they're shipping this meat back to China who have a large pork-eating population. Just say people shouldn't have to pay the price with their life for corporations that make money in this country. You know, we constantly talk about corporate greed and profit over people. It's just sad, you know, that, that it's like that. That was Naima Muhammad, the organizing co-director for the North Carolina Environmental Justice Network. Thank you so much. And I am Aaron Kling with WKNC's 88.1 Eye on the Triangle. Thanks, everybody.